Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Yes, we do. Transmitting to you live from the shores of the fragrant Kiwanis, it's Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. We are at King Killer Studios. Uh, that is a rehearsal space administered by my fine brother. And if you would like to know more about uh, renting a space here, you can contact him, Dave at kks.nyc. That's Dave, D-A-V-E, at kks.nyc. And now, my co-host, Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. Why, hello, Sarah. You might have noticed that this is episode number 114, and that is why today we are going to be ranking every song on Janet Jackson's seminal album, Rhythm Nation 1814. Indeed. And uh, this is an album that I suggested that we rank a long time ago at this point, and the time just never seemed right until now. Because obviously, episode 14, we hadn't even ranked any albums yet. So we had to wait for 100 more episodes for another 14 to roll around. <laughs> I did, was it that long that you suggested? Though, no, really? I don't. I honestly, I don't I know. I think it almost was. Yeah. But um, this is not a perfect album, Rhythm Nation. Thank you for saying that. But I think that the reason, Sarah, I'm excited to talk to you about it is because, to me, the scope and ambition of this album is really interesting. And to me also... The highs are super high and the lows are super low. And I just feel like there's a lot to dig into here about Janet Jackson, about dance music, about politics and pop. I just there's so about much to the discuss. The 90s, yes. about the Jacksons. <clears throat> um, yes. So let's uh, get into it without further ado. But Mark, can you just review for the listeners how this works when we rank episodes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Of course. So. As we go through this album, track by track, uh, Sarah and I will be assigning each one a point value. There are 12 songs on the albums, meaning there are 12 point values to be distributed. The song that we like the best, meaning that we rank first, will get 12 points, and all the way on down until the song that we like the least, which will be ranked 12th, will get one point. We will go through the album in chronological order, announcing our point values as we go, and we will also be incorporating the points assigned by our Patreon patrons who voted on this album in an online poll. And if you would like to vote in a future album ranking episode, which we would love to have you do, you can join us at patreon.com slash and become a patron who also gets to vote and exercise your rights, girl. And yes, at the end, uh, Mark will do some arithmetic, and then we will elect a president of Rhythm Nation 1814 and also possibly convict a song of treason. <laughs> Just one? So I think it's um, it's uh, we've both called for three clips throughout these 12 songs, and I think uh, it was you, Sarah, who called for a clip of our very first track. So I think before we really get into any discussion, let's go and hear a clip from the title song, Rhythm Nation. Together to improve our way in life. 
Um, I don't like this song. I was really scared uh, about ranking this album, which I'm really more of a control freak. So to speak. But I really was like, oh, man, this is going to be a fucking slog if it's all like this. Because on top of the extremely clunky social justice lyrics, and I swear to God that I had clipped this and put it in our soundboard before we got the tweet a couple days ago where a new listener was like, thank God someone else is raging against shitty scansion in pop songs. This is why I pulled this clip. Social injustice is not a thing. No progress is not a thing. It's a soup. And this is one of the tracks. Spoiler. My impressions of the album improve quite a bit as it goes on. (laughs) And this is not even my uh, last ranked song. But this was just like, uh, like without the visuals, which are formidable of Janet um, dancing. Like she invented formation. Sorry. Yeah. Be- Bayhive. The music Don't get it video, twisted. The music video on this song, the dancing is incredible. All of them. All yeah. of them. I'm like, oh, this one. Oh, this one. Like I just kept remembering. But then once you like shut out the visual, everything that's left is annoying about the song. Um, I wanted to bail on it two minutes in. And like many of the songs on this album, it's just a little bit too long. Like j- maybe 337 instead of 537. Girl, come on. <laughs> I have a feeling that my esteemed co-host does not share my negative feelings about this song because it was house of buggin' across the table for me. I mean to tell you. I can't help it. Every time this song comes on, I could be in church. And there I... were like modified versions of the actual dance moves from the video. It was great. Made me like the song a little more, but not much. Number 10, three points. Ooh, okay, I'm going to, let me just, okay. Tenth play, three, one. Yes, I could be performing open heart surgery on someone that I love, and if this song came on, I would be like, what, what, pop? Oh, did I slice your aorta? I'm sorry, girl, but you know this is my (laughs) shit. I, meanwhile, would be like, "Um, can I get a clamp, and could someone please remove David Silver's socially aware rap from the room? (laughs) Trying to work. So this is a great way to introduce some key chart facts about Mm. this album. As you may have discovered in your own research, Rhythm Nation is, from a certain perspective, the most successful album in the history of the Billboard Hot 100 because it had seven top five hits in its original incarnation. Katy Perry's album Teenage Dream had eight Mm-hmm. top five hits but two of those came in the re-released version so they weren't on yes, the original version. Yes I saw version. that and there was like a whole there was a lengthy disquisition in the Wikipedia yes. about like well if you choose to count that which we do not. No we like, don't. Okay. We're purists over here okay. mother of our God. So there was a period of time from late 1989 to early to, uh, early 1991 when there was just non-stop music from this album on the radio and crucially this was also the period of time when I was 11 and 12, which is when I first became really connected again to pop music. Okay. So this album and me are so entwined. Whereas Control is much more that lane for me. Yes. Because it was that, like, that age. Yes, like exactly. 11 and 12. Yeah, yeah. So for me, Control, like, I was aware of Nasty, Nasty Boy. Like, I don't also want to eat that nasty food. <laughs> but I was aware of that album. But this, ladies, but the, oh my god! <laughs> but this was an album that came out at the time when I was the right age to fall in love with an album. Sure. And I remember thinking that this album was so 
thoughtful and i had the the vhs of the like visual album like not just don johnson not just beyonce there was basically she made a short um black and white film of the first three songs on this album though and and miss you much so like the consciousness songs and miss you much all became uh, Mm -hmm. and there was stuff at the end where they showed footage of these young girls like crying and saying that this album convinced them to go back to high school and i just remember at the time thinking oh my god this album is like really important so I have an enormous soft spot for it, and I do have respect for what Janet Jackson accomplished here with making a pop album with real ambition. And this was a time when literally everybody had to have one song on their album about racism or the environment. Homelessness. You know, homelessness. Yeah, yes. like she's a product of her time. Uh, for sure, like, I think that this album succeeds, like, perhaps in spite of that stuff, which I guess I'm being a little unfair because it has not aged well at all. But you're right that, like, it was basically a requirement, especially for someone as famous as she was. But did you find... Well, anyway, continue. Well, and then let me get back to this question that I have. Well, there there are other songs that will allow us to look at perhaps the darker side of her attempts to be a social justice warrior. But I, <laughs> I, I, I hear what you're saying about the sound of this being not your thing. But to me, and I know this sounds hyperbolic, but it's true. This is the best dance music of all time. Like this, I, this is what I want all dance music to sound like. It to me, the mixture of those thin synthy hi hats with that deep throbbing bass. It's like this is booty popping 101. Have a seat, except don't stand up. Pop that booty. Everybody in class, I want to see asses wiggling. I cannot get enough. And again, I think it is because I am a product of my own adolescence with this album. But to me, every dance song that is trying to come for New Jack anything is indebted to this album. And to me, this song has such an incredible beat. And I like, and I can't divorce it also in my mind from the image of the videos because there were so many music videos on this from this album. And this one is the choreography so good. And I actually really dig the idea of living in a rhythm nation. It's so self-serious, but it's done with such a lawn. And the beat is so good that I put the song in second place and I gave it um, 11 points. Huh. Okay. Well, I have a feeling it's going to be like that all It's going to be topsy-turvy. Every way, all day. However, I would like to ask you, since she has um, little interstitials on this album. <laughs> that or, I... or they're called... Um, they're called interludes. Yeah. I didn't listen to any of those because fuck off. Um, <laughs> but I was wondering what you felt about the visual influence of her brother, Michael, mm. particularly in, I mean, her like signature at this time was like the big key ring. Yes. Earring, which I wore one. Yeah. Not going to lie. Um, didn't look as good on me. <laughs> um, neither did that like shock of sticking up bangs. I tried, though. Um, but yeah, that like militaristic outfit, the um, almost puppeteered dancing. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking anything away from it because there's worse people to copy yeah. than MJ. But did you either revisiting it now or at the time um, just like clock that at all? What was your feeling about that? Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just, I mean, they're siblings, whatever. It's fine. I also feel like at this time, it's hard. No matter who you are, Michael Jackson's influencing the way that you dance. Like, there's just. Yeah, he, probably. Like, he was the definition of dancing in the 80s. And, you know, Janet, I think, succeeded in clearly being influenced by him, but then also managing to find her own lane. Like, the the lockstep precision that she followed through this album, Control, and the next album, Janet, like, that really became a signature mm-hmm. for her. And I think. 
she found her own way forward by going even harder on precise choreography, like syncopated, synchronized choreography. Yeah, because it, he's definitely on his own for these routines a lot. Yeah. Or like his backups are doing something else. Like it's still cool, but it's not this like um, by by all doing the same thing and sort of melting into each other, we become something larger. Yes. So visually that does track with the idea of a rhythm nation, which yes, it's very self-serious, but she was in her twenties. Who was it? Yes, exactly. Also, this is a good time to note that um, the reason the album is called rhythm nation, 1814, Accounts differ, but some suggest it's because that was the catalog number that A&M, the record label, gave to the album. But mm-hmm. some suggest it's because 1814 is the year that Francis Scott Key wrote the, Scott, the Star Spangled Banner. Okay. Janet Jackson has said that both are true at various times, so maybe both are kind of true. But I just feel like nothing says I have something to say and I'm 21, like naming your album after the national anthem. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> So speaking of having things to say, neither one of us called for a... Oh, I should say, the listeners put Rhythm Nation, the song, in first place and gave it the full 12 points. What the hell? <laughs> Being able to see your face is making me joyous. Like, y'all, Sarah, basically, it was like someone said, here, eat this, and it's... Here, eat this bug. It's 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 a bug covered in Worcestershire sauce. Please enjoy. No, it's a raisin. Covered. It looks like a bug. I don't. <laughs> Good news, it's not a bug. It's a raisin. I actually love Worcestershire sauce. Oh, it's a it's a raisin dipped in tuna. Gross. Uh, Although that would be pretty good in tuna salad. The point is, gross. Yeah. <laughs> you almost threw up when I said that. I know. So 26, uh, 12 points from the patrons, 11 points from me, 3 points from you. Now, next is a song called State of the World, which was the eighth radio single from this album but because it was not released as a physical single to purchase it was not eligible to chart but billboard has frequently said that if they had allowed radio only songs onto the hot 100 at the time this song got enough airplay that it almost certainly would have been the eighth top five hit from this album fascinating to me but uh and it because it was released in like summer of 91 like this shit had been around forever at this point State of the World is a song in which she explicitly tells the story of homeless a home this young homeless boy who feels his life is worthless. Uh, there's a <sighs> there's a young little Johnny man. She his only friend is the doll he carries with him. Uh, it's a it's almost indistinguishable in some ways from Rhythm Nation in that it's got the same type of uh, New Jack rhythm and it's very much about social ills. I have always liked it because I'm on the tank for this album anyway. But for me, this rides in the middle. And I put it in uh, eighth place, and I gave it five points. Um, we talk a lot about the marriage of um, like aural tone and lyrical uh, and lyrical content. This is one that is almost like bitchily daring you to di- to dance to it, but it's like <laughs> this is a really good beat, but these lyrics are. <laughs> Shitty. Oh, are you shaking your ass? You fucking crazy I asshole. know, you fucking Republican. Like, okay, look. Uh, this is, like, this is tonally similar in the if you subtract the lyrics, it sounds similar to Mariah. Mm. Emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has that feeling to it. Um, but then, you know, our kids can't go out and play. That's the state of the world. Like, shut up, girl. Like, I, <laughs> 
we're not we're not here we're not here for a lecture we're here to pop some booty like i'll sit for a lecture after this but stop putting them together it's annoying that said it was slightly less annoying to me than rhythm nation so i had it ninth place with four points great and this is a song that the listeners seemed to have either no memory of or no affection for they put it in 10th place which gives it a mere three points Mm. now sarah talk about bitchily daring you to do things we're coming to a song that perhaps singularly at least in my life this is a song that i understand as well as i understand anything i just read back my notes about this and i will i will quote them to you later but sorry i'm laughing the next song is called the knowledge it was not a single one of the few songs on this album that was not a single it is the only up-tempo song on this album that was not a single and it is the epitome of more for you i feel <laughs> having had the, i even before we sat down i knew but i have always loved this song oh, God. and i can't i can't explain it like the lyrics Why? like it is it is it's literally a dance song. This about, knowledge, I don't need. Like it you is, know that Barbara, she's like ignorance. No, no. Blankenship liking it. No. no, it's literally a song about I learning to about learning to read. And this. she like she raps in it. She ra- <laughs> oh, <laughs> she raps in it. She's like, oh, well, hold on. Well, actually, sorry, Sarah, but as you know, I pulled a clip. So let's listen to the clip. Guys, I thought sure that this clip was pulled because he thought it was some bullshit. No, it's because I love it. No. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, so I, at the end, one of the reasons I love this song is because it, like, turns into that thing with the weird chants, and then there's a part at the beginning where she's like... I don't hate the chants, I will say. The the chants, and then there's the part where she's singing, and then the first verse is her kind of rapping insight to what's going on. Information keeps you strong, what you don't know can hurt you bad. Take it from me, you'll be walking around sad. That's so terrible, but I love it so much. I, I can't... So, now that being said... (laughs) <laughs> Let me calm it down. Breathe. Because I also kind of danced myself into being a little out of breath during that clip. Uh, that being said, I still essentially put it in the middle because this is the lower end of the group of songs from this album that I love. So this is sixth place for me, seven points. And I'll go ahead and make you feel better about the world. No one voted for it in the Patreon poll. so it's, That's my listener. It's, tw- it's 12 Good points. Listeners. 12th place, one point. Okay, my notes. Quote, Oh, great. It's basically identical to the first two. This is fucking exhausting. This is so boring. 
I am actively resisting resisting listening to Belle Biv DeVoe instead. <laughs> this ignorance, no call and response. I'll say. Illiteracy, no. <laughs> this song, no. Uh, I think I was just a little old for this kind of track from this <laughs> album to hit me. Like, I think you pass through this, like, irony portal at a certain age that, like, when you bonded to this album, you had not maybe passed through it yet. Yeah, I was 11, yeah. Um, I had more than passed through it, and it just, like, I don't think I've ever even heard this song before, and I never want to hear it again, and I don't have to. But I have a feeling this is the one that's going to be deported because I had it in last place one point. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, and also let me say, if I were to hear a song like this right now, I think I would hear it and be like, I hope that there are children enjoying this, but I have no time for it. Yeah. No, this is absolutely like that film strip that is played before the assembly with the guy who's like, learn to read. And you're like, but we're in school already. So why is this happening to me? Okay. I know you've been through so much, but I'm going to make you hurt a little bit more and let you know that the interlude immediately before this song starts is just Janet Jackson going we are in a race between education and catastrophe and then the song starts I mean she's not wrong but but show don't tell show with dance so so uh, just before we move on to the fourth song uh, Rhythm Nation peaked at number two on the charts we had two non-singles and now we have Miss You Much. We had a radio-only single and a non-single, and now we have reached at number four, a song that we didn't clip, but it was the first single from this album, and it reached number one, Miss You Much, which has, in its music video, this incredible chair dance at the oh, very yes. end. Oh, yes. The chair dance has its own Wikipedia entry. It's amazing. Like, holy shit. It's so good. Sarah, what are your thoughts on Miss You Much? Um, well, my notes are like, well, so far, I like this better than the rest of the album. <laughs> That's saying almost nothing. Of course, I remember this song. There is... Uh, my key note from this is as follows. Uh, she is far more appealing and authoritative when she's not trying so hard. Mm. And I would say that that's true. Like the chair dance is great. Um, the video is cute. Like she's not a very good actress sometimes, but she, I think she knows that. And she's just like trying to get through the spoken bits so she can get to the dancing, which is where she is a Viking. Um, I love that girl groupie to the lyrics and um, the the part where they're spelling is oh like God. very 60s and yes. I think it's really cute and um, M-I-S-S-U much <laughs> I, I really like this song and this was inescapable in my senior year of high school but we didn't really want to escape it like we didn't miss the song because it was always around for like a year and a half but it's a solid song and I think it's Weirdly, given the way this album is arrayed, like the track order is so interesting to me because now we're like completely out of that like call to arms, military military action, like dark brown, black and white part of the album. And we're into what I think everybody associates with this album much more. Um, but this... Like, it started out number one, and then I was like, well, surely this will be driven downwards. And it was a little bit, but it's my number three. So that's nice. ten points. And 
Uh, the interlude before this song is just Janet Jackson going, get the point, good, let's dance. So she's, Well, thank you. And then it's like, she doesn't go back to it and make you listen to any more of that, like, thank you, girl. So for me, this is um, a song that bounced up and down a lot because I do mm. love it, but I ultimately had it land in fifth. Mm. Just because... Makes sense. It's like, I, but I would never kick this out of bed for eating crackers, as they say. Mm. And the listeners love it. They put it in second place and gave it 11 points. Okay. So next, uh, I have a clip for our next single, which is Love Will Never Do Without You. Next single? What? No. The next song, Love Will Never Do Without You. This was the seventh and final charting song from the album. And the music video was a massive change in her appearance from everything else from this album. It was the the most relaxed, sexy look that she'd ever had. She's wearing like a crop top and some jeans and she's running around a beach and a young and shirtless Antonio Sabato Jr. and a young and shirtless Jaimon Hunsu are like running around the beach with her. It's the most sexual she had ever been, which then led the way for the like titanic sexuality of the next few albums that she released. And it was uh, remarkable because it was the seventh single, but it was also a number one hit. Uh, so before we talk- And I confused yep. this, I confused this video with another song. I thought this video was for- uh... Escapade, maybe? Yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't matter. Uh, let's hear a clip of Love Will Never Do Without You. This song was originally going to be a duet, which is the reason that Janet Jackson sings in such a low register in the first verse and then kicks it up to her more typical high register. And uh, I think it was a wise choice to just have it be her because she demonstrates that she has the charisma to carry this whole song. I think this song is so delightful. It is the sound of carefree infatuation. I love, again, this is another song with some nice chanting at the end. Uh, the spelling from Miss You Much, there's chanting here of everybody, everybody just going, Love will never do what never do without you. Come on. Which I always thought was a callback to Michael Jackson saying Shimon, by the way. I, I have no proof. Okay. But to me, I'll this, go with that theory. This is not only my favorite song on this album, it is one of my all time favorite Janet Jackson songs. It is in my top 20 songs that were hits in the 90s. I love it. First place, 12 points. Wow. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, I This one started high for me and then just kept dropping down. Uh, huh. It's in my top half, but I just couldn't escape the feeling like it's fun to watch, but this is one of those songs on the album where I feel like there's not a whole lot of there there without the visuals. Like mm. this is definitely an iconic video and it's a perfectly sunny, likable, inoffensive song. Mm-hmm. 
But I felt like certain elements were recycled, like the beat I just felt like was brought over from the Control album and not necessarily to the beat's um like maybe to the beat's detriment that happened. Right. Um she seemed a little out of range sometimes and I just I don't know, like it's it's a little long, it's a little lyrically redundant. I, it's just not great, but it's pretty good and I had this one in 6th place with 7 points. Very good. And then the listeners um they put it in 3rd place with 10 points. And let me That makes sense. Now's a good time for me to say the top five songs all got a lot of votes, and then there's like a massive cliff. So if you sure. if you make it into the top five on this poll, you got some votes. Everything else was like maybe you got two votes or maybe you got one. Like let me just say, the first place finisher got 29 votes, mm-hmm. and then only there were five songs that got 20 votes or more, and then everything else got four or fewer. Um, this is also, didn't you say, this is the most voted on Yes, we have poll. never had a poll that has had more votes. So it's Interesting. Which is, it's, it's also... It's too bad y'all got it so terribly wrong. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you. Love Except still you. kind of not over the votes for that Bodine song from a few... <laughs> Yeah, oh my god! Yeah, go. yeah, that's legit. I'm, I'm still pretty. Weren't we both like, oh, yeah, we were listeners. shocked. <laughs> but we, it's okay. But, but here's the thing: they are living in a world they didn't make. Oh shit! Okay, Sarah. Thank God we don't have a clip of this song. Is all I can say. This. Thank God you thanked God because I was like, if if, if girlfriend put this in the top half. This it, pod marriage might be on the rocks. Like this, you might hear a podcast melting down on the. No, I didn't. And here's the, this song was written in response to a school shooting, already problematic, right? Yes. The opening sounds of the song are children on a playground. Second problem, the final sounds in the song are, is a machine gun being fired, problematic. And and it's like this R and B, panty drop or like boxer dropping slow jam yeah. about kids losing their innocence living in a world they didn't make like i can remember very i just clearly, don't understand what she thought she was doing with this marriage of musical and lyrical material well and also is there no one around who said you know what might be in terrible taste to put the sound of a machine gun firing at the end of a song you wrote about a school shooting janet yeah Girl. or never mind like bad taste or good taste it's just like Whatever taste it is, it's directly on the nose. It is the nose. Yeah. Girl. It's the nostril. I can, and I smell something shitty, and it's this song. I can remember being (laughs) in theater camp in the summer of 1990 because it was also the summer I was teaching people to Vogue. My parents were surprised later to learn I was gay. It's neither here nor there. Um, But we sat around thinking. The South did rise again. We sat around talking, and that. A really good thing you could say after the end of a long bout of impotence. Mm. Oh, look, the South rose again. Anyway, we'll have that as the sequel to our gonorrhea that musical. That was for free, <laughs> listeners. The, but I can remember welcome. at theater camp, we were all sitting around reading this lyrics to this song and talking about how beautiful and powerful it was. But that was when I was 11, no longer acceptable, last place, one point. Um, so we're both living in a turd that Janet made. Um Actually, I'm wrong. I do understand what she thought she was trying to do. What I don't understand is why somebody who was old enough to buy alcohol didn't tell her to knock it off with this. Um, 
the unfortunate knowledge is that I hated the knowledge more, but barely. Number 11, two points. And the placement that the listeners gave it, I, again, that's why I brought up the steep cliff in votes. Don't be fooled by the fact that this is in eighth place into thinking that lots of people liked it. Because, again, it's our most voted on poll ever in terms of number of votes cast. And it's got three votes. So, I... Maybe people were really into that 80s piano, which I did not hate and is the only thing that bumped it up over the knowledge for me, I'm pretty sure. But pretty sure. So I think um, moving right along, it's a song um, called All Right, which was a number four hit and quite frankly is only memorable to me because the music video is so fucking insane. It really is. It's like Dick, the Dick Tracy movie. <laughs> it's exactly right. In a video, Sid Charisse is in it. Yes. Cab Calloway is in it. Heavy D has a whole section in it that is really good. And, like, I decided I didn't need to clip it, but that is what made that song. I actually had this at number two. Oh, shit. And it's also too long because of the Heavy D break, which you don't always hear. I think in the radio version, they which is, shortened that up. Which is also to the detriment of America. But um, yes. Yeah. Heavy D was our very first subject oh, in our very he first was episode podcast. one. Um, attention must be paid, and it was by me. Number two, 11 points. I, I so agree with you with the Overweight Lover MC's contribution to this song. Yeah. The video is so much fun to watch. Okay, can we just take a second? I think what happens at the end is that she realize, that we learn that she's homeless and that she's just been dreaming the whole video. Correct. But then Cab Calloway comes on in this really weird, like doing this weird walk and then drops a pocket watch in her hand. So, And then he goes, all right. Yeah. It's so weird and And good. And he still, I think he seriously like walked off stage and died. It was that (laughs) close to the end of his life. But um, his voice was still like, it was two syllables and you're like, whew. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm maybe not pregnant yet, but I'm I'm waiting for yeah. my period. Like we're gonna we got that OB that and we're gonna go use. And a whole fleet of cabs is going to uh, be born. That made <laughs> absolutely no sense. I am sorry. When you say you're calling a cab, you mean something a little different mm-hmm. this time. <laughs> uh, oh my god! I, it's also worth noting that in this video, she's wearing these really a really oversized pinstripe suit, Dick Tracy esque, like you said, and it's again like. That was the way that she was covering herself up until Love Will Never Do Without You. It's very striking. Anyway, the listeners put this song in. um, It was a tie. (laughs) It was a tie for eighth place with Living in a World They Didn't Make, which seems wrong to me. But I mean, it gets five points from them. And I put it in uh, ninth place and gave it four points. Mm. Which, okay. Because it, the reason I is I was this. surprised that this stayed so high for me, but then I just kept listening to the clip that I was thinking of pulling, and I was like, you know what? This really, I think she really tried so- something here, something like pastiche Right. Um, and tried to involve, like, um, legendary band leaders, legendary MC, legendary dancer. Yeah. It's like... I, I think it worked like weirdly when she just keeps the ambition like and she doesn't spell it out and mm. just tell you it it works. Yeah. Because she's like, well, I can bring all these things together and see how they play together and they play together really well, I thought. But I think it wasn't all that well known 
at the time. So well, it was it, it reached number four, which ironically is the lowest peaking song on the album. For most people, that would be the biggest hit. But I, for me, the song the song itself without Heavy D is just a little nondescript, and her vocals are mixed way down. And I I have yeah. just felt always I've always found it hard to like hang on to this song. Yeah, I I can see that. And uh, this it may be another one where if I were just listening to it without the visuals, it would mm-hmm. be like mm, there's not as much there there. But but the truth is the visuals exist. The video yeah. is real. You can watch the video. So yeah, and this was in this like twenty-year period in our nation's pop music history where you can't separate them, and we probably shouldn't try to. No, like the as as a piece of art, those two things are twins together, and they should be. Mm. We're going to take a break from the Rhythm Nation to enjoy a pop chart astrology reading. Yes, that is when I use a song that was number one on a particularly important date to predict a listener's destiny of success. Now, today's pop chart astrology reading goes out to Nick, and it is being sponsored by his new wife, Gabby. They are only recently married, so congratulations, y'all. But if you are an eagle-eared listener, you might remember that back when they were dating, Gabby sponsored an astrology reading for Nick for his birthday, and that appeared last summer in episode 69 when we uh, talked about Brian Adams, the summer of 69. Well, Nick, it's your birthday again, and Gabby is giving you another reading, but because we've already talked about the song that was number one on the day that you were born, Gabby and I have cooked up a little plan, so get ready. As you might recall, you guys started dating on the 4th of July, and you were born in 1982. So Gabby and I thought, let's take a look and see what was number one on July 4th, 1982, a date that combines both your birth and the birth of your now marriage. And it turns out that there is an incredibly appropriate song at number one on that date, because the number one song, July 4th, 1982, was Don't You Want Me by The Human League. So let's take a moment to listen to a clip. Oh my gosh, obviously this is a really interesting song to have at the top when we're talking about your relationship, but what I want to point out is that still, this is still about the destiny of your success, and so I would not necessarily say that this reading has to be applied to a relationship. It could be applied to any part of your life, a relationship with a different person, a friend, a family member, or maybe your work. I know that you guys operate a movie theater in your town, which is incredibly cool, and I also know that when you started dating... Gabby, you, Nick, were working as a waiter in a cocktail bar, which is incredibly appropriate. But let's take a little moment to talk about this song. So as you know, it was a huge number one smash. It's considered one of the defining hits of the 80s and certainly one of the defining hits of the new wave period. It is also very famous for being one of the defining songs that features a man and a woman talking to each other in song. Uh, they debate one another, essentially, because neither one of them can agree about who did the other person wrong, who had the upper hand, who was treating each other with the most respect or disrespect, as the case may be. It's a clear forerunner to a song like Somebody That I Used To Know by Gautier and Kimbra, for instance, or if you know the band The Postal Service, their song Something Better is also clearly indebted to this song. But the irony is... 
that initially this song was going to be a male solo, and it was only as it was being created that the folks in the Human League thought, no, it needs a woman's voice. And then the guy who leads the Human League, Philip Oakey, was so disappointed with the mix of the song that he decided he did not want it to be released as a single. In fact, he relegated it to the last track on the second side of the album, the Human League album that it's on. And he resisted and resisted and resisted when his record company wanted it to be released as a single. But then obviously he was proven incorrect about its possible popularity. So here's what I would say this means for you, Nick. Uh, there is some element of your life where you perhaps have been told that you need to go it alone or perhaps have been given a narrative that solo success is the only meaningful success. And I would say this is a great time to think about another impulse that you have somewhere inside of you that tells you that maybe it actually would be better with a partner. Maybe you need a partner in some part of your life and you know it, but maybe something else is telling you to not to do it, but don't listen to that. Go forth, partner up. And when you have completed whatever it is that you're doing with your partner, there may be some force that then even tells you, no, the work that's been created in this partnership is probably not going to be what you want it to be. But that kind of voice, though often well-meaning, can be very destructive. And I would say, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. Trust the thing that has been created in partnership, and you will see that the resistance that you were greeted with before it was a real thing will melt away once the result of the work has been completed. Uh, Nick, Happy birthday again. Congratulations on your marriage. Gabby, also, thank you for reaching out. It has been a pleasure, Nick, to give you another chart reading. And listeners, if you would like a chart reading for your birthday, for any other special date, or for the birthday or special date of someone that you love, just email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, and we will let you know how to get started. Again, that's talkaboutsongs at gmail.com. And now, back to Janet. Now, our next song, we do have a little clip. Sarah, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to take a vacation. Not from this podcast, but from life. So let's go on a little escapade. Indeed. another one that you couldn't escape when I was a senior in high school and we didn't want to escape but paid we listened to it all the time the people at the closest drive through restaurant to our school which when we were on senior lunch was a Burger King the people at the drive-in were so goddamn sick of this song <laughs> um, this song and uh, Erasure probably um, me and JW in her uh, mom's old Benz going to get Cokes because we could um yeah, this song is so like cheery and wonderful. I definitely thought that um, the um, Teenage Sabato video right. went with this song, but I mean, I really like this song. I do 
once again find myself a little mystified by the ordering of tracks on this album because I feel like this should have come sooner. Yes, I have always thought that too. Because it's like, uh, because then you've heard, like I think this is sort of the best version of this, of the variations on this song that is on the album, but then it's sort of like pretty far back and they should have led with it. But maybe album listening was going out even then. I don't know. Anyway, I ranked it pretty high. Number five, uh, eight points. So I agree with you that it should have been higher up. After she says, get the point, good, let's dance, we should go in on Escapade. Like, yeah. you need to get out of the Rhythm Nation for a minute. And the video for this one is in Carnival. I don't know if you remember that. That's what happens in this music video. Yes, correct. Uh, I think this song is a delight. Obviously, I chose the clip. It really, like, also, how weird is it to use the word escapade? You just don't hear it. It's like a, it's, it's a word that everyone knows but that doesn't get used very much, which makes the song immediately stand out, I think. Yeah. Like, it, it would be like if she were singing a sad love song and she's like, well, I'm going to rhyme something with Donnybrook. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, gauntlet received. Yes. Or it's like, I'm ensorcelled by you. I know. Like, are you, though? Great. <laughs> Uh, I put this song in fourth place, as did the listeners. Mm, so we're all, okay. we're all in agreement here. But, you know, there's also something to be said for how – I know we've said this kind of thing before, but it's actually very hard to make a breezy, effortless song, and she really did it here. Yeah, and you absolutely believe um, – Love Will Never Do is, like, another version of this song that felt a little more effortful to me, but this mm-hmm. one just feels like – I know we talked about this on – one of the Madonna ranking episodes that we felt like a song probably was like tossed off in response to a record exec being like, you actually need something else for side A. And then sometimes those are our favorites because they feel so like, well, we got to just do it. Did we maybe say that about causing a commotion? I think we did. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were like, why is this? But also this is one of my favorite Madonna songs of all time. Yes. So this feels a little bit like that to me. Like she's, you know, it doesn't sound like slapped together or rushed or anything. It just felt like a totally no pressure situation that allowed her to thrive. Although I do want to call out, I love that this song is also part of the subgenre of pop songs where super rich people write lyrics about just cashing their check and finally being able to have a good time. I'm like, girl, you did not just come from the TCBY and finally get your check cashed. Like, no, you didn't. Thank you for trying to yes. be to hang. That's cute. Thank you for trying to keep it and real like, with our me. Our idea of fun is that we will have to sneak onto the Ferris wheel because we can't afford two tickets. Yes. Like, okay, girl. Cash my check. I'm ready. Catch your girl. Yeah, you cash your check like, for thirty-one million dollars. Are you going on an escapade to the moon? Seriously, yeah. <laughs> like is Richard Branson taking you on your escapade to Mars? No, cool. he he isn't because he can't afford to sit up front with you. Yeah. actually, <laughs> he's actually just pushing the shuttle. <laughs> but I just do. I love it when people who are so rich and so I like Janet Jackson is so fucking rich and has been so fucking famous for so fucking long that she had to have a secret marriage so that the paparazzi wouldn't get involved. But if she wants to sing a song to me about how we're just hanging like homegirls and we're going to go on a little escapade after we cash our check from work, please do it. But that's probably her idea of an escapade is like, why don't I go somewhere where nobody recognizes any of my faces? Yeah. Yeah. Like let's, yeah, I would love to take a fucking shift at, Nobody beats the Wiz. <laughs> Orange Julius. Did I did I mention my brother was in the Wiz? Nobody beats him either. Ah. Uh. Um. Yeah. Which is this is maybe a good time now that I brought it up. 
we've talked a little bit uh, in prep for this episode about Janet Jackson, like of all the Jacksons, managing to seem like she's lived the most normal life possible. Oh, totally. For a Jackson, like no reality shows, no ODs. I mean, there was the nipple thing, but that wasn't her problem. Or her fault. Yeah. And at the time that it was revealed that she had had a secret marriage, people thought it was weird. But I think with further reflection, I realize it was really smart and really good that she decided her marriage was not for public consumption. Well, you know how a couple of episodes ago we were talking about the room? Yes. Like the emotional room of a relationship that um, two people or three... I'm not a poly person, but whoever is in your relationship, yes, that the occupants of the room, I think for famous people, the room can get real crowded real easily thanks to Us Weekly and Vanity Fair and people taking trying to take selfies or like over the shoulder shots and photobomb you at the beach and you're just trying to like go to Target and pick out a backpack and then everybody knows your life. So that's really smart. Like- just bury it, like put it underground, like the river. And if I were a celebrity, I would honestly want to take a seminar with Janet Jackson because she has managed to really pretty much remain. She's still famous. She's still on tour. She's on tour as we record this. Yeah. But she's not overexposed. Like, how did you do it? How did you maintain that much privacy for decades at this point? Well, and I do wonder if maybe it's boggling to me that her brother died almost 10 years ago. Yeah. But I maybe there was a feeling among the entertainment press that it was like, let's just not. Right. Like, let's not break another one. Yeah. <laughs> because, and I mean, I forget which one had like all the plastic surgery, not LaToya, one of the dudes, Tito, Tito, maybe? Marlon, one of them. And then they all Jackie. had like, yeah, Rebe. They all had all this, like th- these reality shows that were so depressing. And I think maybe after Michael died, it was just like, you know what? If she doesn't want to talk about it. She doesn't have to Let's talk just, about it's it. It's like, is that Janet Jackson? No, it isn't. And like the whole <laughs> world sort of like joined hands to be like, we are going to ignore Janet Jackson. And she was like, cool, thank you. That's Johnny Juke's son. No, <laughs> no. That's who that is. Well, you know. Man it marks. <laughs> well, speaking Kelly of another thing Clarkson. that Janet Jackson doesn't have time for, <clears throat> along with unwanted press, it's uh, somebody who's living their life too dangerously. So that's a way to segue into the next song, which I think you Hold that was elegant. It was elegant. I, I did. Um, I am getting the sinking feeling that uh, you do not care for this song, but you're going to have to listen to a clip anyway. Here's a clip from Black Cat. Um, I'm sorry that clip was so long, but I wanted to get 
three things in there. I wanted to get in that sweet guitar solo. I wanted to get in those uh, sweet metal harmonies. And I wanted to get some of her like off chorus vocal at the end because I think this is one of her strongest vocals on the whole album. Uh, she is so feeling herself. I watched a version of it, uh, like the video that was like based on her, like a live performance of it. In she the is, white shirt? Yes. Yeah. Um, she has like the full complement of backup singers. This is like a weird, I don't remember this song at all. Oh, really? But I was super attracted to the song hearing it that I was just like, there's something about it that even though the chord progression is a very like generic hard rock thing that you feel like you probably heard on like a poison b-side or something there's something about it coming out of her and especially this like take no prisoners screaming metal vocal um coming out of this like she is teeny like she's formidable but she's little you could probably sit on her and kill her right and i just really think it's so much greater than the sum of its parts this Mm. song it's hard to explain um, but I put it uh, fourth. Well, I uh, actually totally agree with you about this song's kick assery. Huh. Okay. It was also a number one single. Uh, was it really? Yeah, because it was. I, I literally was like, I never heard this before in my life. But it was number one in like the summer of 90, so maybe you were just distracted. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I would have been pretty distracted. Uh, this is also the only song in the album that she wrote entirely by herself. Which I think is pretty fucking cool. Yeah, I remember that. You're right. That's a weird thing. And uh, I also just love this song because it demonstrates the versatility of her talent. Because she wrote it alone, and it's in a completely different genre, and she completely sells it. Like, it's a a great heavy metal song. Yeah. And I feel like in the way that Donna Summer has a song called The Wanderer from the early 80s that is like a new wave dance song that feels like completely outside of what we expect from her. The way that, as we've discussed recently, Tina Turner is like, she can do pop and she can do rock and they're both, sometimes they're insane, but she can do them. And right. obviously now Beyonce is another great example. There's just a long, this, there's a long lineage of female performers who are mostly associated with R&B who have demonstrated that they have the chops to succeed in other genres. Janet Jackson totally nails that here. I and I love that on the album, this is one place where the ordering is like, so bizarre that it's hilarious yes. that right before this was Escapade and then she goes right into another ballad and it's like okay and what's so crazy and what's so crazy about this is the interlude here is a, the sound of a panther growling and then she goes ain't no acid in this house and then it starts like why not okay sure okay and like yeah I, the, the the guitar lick on this is awesome and I love the fact that she sings in a different way like she growls the song more than she does anywhere else on this album no, no breathiness here mm, no so I put the song in third place in fact oh, I'm sorry you well. said you put it in fourth place I did nine yeah. points I put it in third and the listeners put it in eighth so that's ten points from me eight points from them nine points from you Why what? Why you hate me, listeners? Oh, <laughs> well, they're not so. Dis- they're not so. They're only one place lower than you. Wait. Eighth place? No, I'm sorry. They put it in fifth and gave it eight points. Oh, okay. Uh, I misspoke. Phew. I was like, why are you so upset? Oh, because I didn't tell you the accurate information. <laughs> they put it in fifth place and gave it eight points. Uh, you put it in fourth place and gave it nine. I put it in third and gave it ten. Yes. Okay. okay. So now we have a song that does it exist? 
I don't know. Who I've cares? heard it. I can't say. It's called Lonely. It's a really generic slow jam. I don't understand why it's real or exists. Uh, I have nothing to say about it. I put it in 10th place because it's not as overtly offensive as the sound of guns being fired at a school. And uh, I guess it's like, it's, I don't know what it is. It, it's not fine. It's not terrible. It's just there. I don't know. I It's not, I, 10th place, three points. It, yeah, it's very dated, um, but it's just like a serviceable placeholder R&B jam about a booty call. We have enough of those. That said, there were also enough other songs I disliked more, so I had this one in a um, firmly middling seventh place. With So that would be... Six points. Yes. The listeners, uh, there were two people who voted for it. Maybe somebody felt lonely that night. I, I, they gave it... So there, it's in 10th place with three points. I mean, it's fine. You yeah, never know what's going to hit people. Y- it's except, fine. Except uh, Rhythm Nation, which shouldn't. Oh, wait. <laughs> but that's my number one. Two. Anyway. So okay, then we get to the only ballad from this album that was released as a single, Come Back to Me, which peaked at number two. And uh, I believe, Sarah, you have a clip. I sure do. we didn't need that whole last 20 seconds um i guess i'm the one who is too long this time but i just think this vocal is gorgeous Mm. it's so pretty it's so i think this is her most um at least on the serious songs i think this is her most her vocal her most like felt and genuine and this mixture of like sexy and sad which is reflected in her voice which is it's just one of those like ribbony vocals that I love and then the bass guitar which is like it's pretty 90s but it's also reflecting that like that uh, rue and then the video is like her remembering all this cool shit that happened in Paris with a dude who is who is adios at this point I guess Um, I when, uh, this is another song I went on a journey on, but this was a better one that I was like, really? This is this long? And then I got to the end of it. I was like, oh, it's over. And then I just played it again like five times. It's been stuck in my head for weeks now. It is my number one song. 12 points. Holy shit, Sarah. I love Mark's it. Mark's jaw literally just landed on the floor. Well, yeah, right I now. was just looking Hello. at the list of rankings and I was and like, you're like, where's her? Oh, shit. And I was like, there's no way it's the next song. So, <laughs> oh my God. I think that is fantastic because you know what? I feel like 
I even listening to this. And would you have guessed that it would be like that you would put at number one, like the hardcore dance break, and then I would put at number one this like the the R and B slow jam, silky R and B slow jam. No, in fact, never. In yeah. fact, I would say that if you were to say of the two of us, who's the more likely to gravitate toward a slow jam, it would be me. Yeah, hands down. But that's why I love these episodes. Oh, no. Me too. Uh, did you know this song before you were ranking this album? Oh, yeah. Okay. So you've like you've, you've oh, been yeah. grooving to its jam for a yeah, long time. Yeah. There were a few songs that I was like, I don't remember this at all. And a couple that I was like, I vaguely remember this, but I just hadn't heard it in a while. And a couple that I was like, thank God I never heard this shit before because I'd be an unhappier person. This one I definitely remembered. I remembered the video. It has that like Vaseline lens kind of candy colored flashbacky look that I think Papa Don't Preach sort of pioneered mm. that like there's a lot of pale blue and a lot of pops of red and yeah, it's great. And it just is you feel like you actually know her a little bit um, through this song. So like that's part of why I love it, too. I have to say that I feel I underestimated this song. I, I, I feel like I have underestimated it as long as I've heard it because every time I hear it I think oh right this song is awesome also I can't believe we've gotten this deep into this without mentioning Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis the production team with whom she made the Control album this album every album yeah they also among their ass load of other hits wrote and produced Human by the Human League mm-hmm. I'm only human which is awfully similar to this in tone and instrumentation and that's what I was thinking as I was listening to this clip is that those two songs sound very similar but they go together very, really well I like them both mm-hmm. um, this song I only have in seventh place but that should not be an indication of disdain I do quite like it Uh, It also is in sixth place uh, for the listeners. So that is a very strong and positive showing for Come Back to Me. I love it. Okay. I'm just making that. So Come Back to Me gets to come back to the Rhythm Nation. Yes. Will not be. um, Yes, yes. Will not be sent off and on ice flow. uh, And then there's the last song. It's called Someday is Tonight. It's like nine minutes long. It's just like the song Lonely. Like, have I heard it before? I even as I just I don't think I've ever made it through this entire song in my entire life. Even on this for this preparation, I was like, I don't care. Yeah, no. My first note is like, this is six minutes. Come on. Yeah. And like, it just never seemed to like start. It's weird. Like, it just never, it never caught fire. And then my notes were also like, I have now heard this song on this album three times. Isn't this the same as Lonely? So I had it like right behind Lonely at number eight. I mean, someday is tonight. Like the the lyrics are sophomoric to a cringy degree. It's really yeah. not. It's not a good. Not a good time. No, it's not a good time. And I had it in a le- again because it is less offensive than the sound of a machine gun being fired on a playground. It is in eleventh place for me with two points, and the listeners have it dead last with one point. Mm. Yeah. Makes sense. So so it looks like someday is tonight in Cuba. Oh, shit. So, Sarah, having gone through this album, how would you rate your overall experience about having visited so deeply the side streets of Rhythm Nation? Um, well, here's the thing. I really did not know the album. Um, I was surprised that I remembered as many songs as I did, but I was also like... We put off doing this ranking because I was like, I don't think I really feel that strongly about this album. 
But the fact is, like, you do these things and you discover or rediscover these songs that you love. Um, you find other songs that you're like, I kind of want to kick Janet Jackson in the shins for this. <laughs> not li- not like hard, but just like a little tap on the shin. It's like, no. <laughs> a little, t- like wearing ballet flats. Yeah. It's fine. Totally. It's fine. Like, I'm, I wear a size 10 shoe. Like, I'm not trying to kill the woman. I'm just saying the knowledge (laughs) here's here's some knowledge for you don't do that again um and yes also machine gun fire why why is this happening to us Um, (laughs) but i really i think that it's like i would grade the album at like a b like a actually Uh a kind of a low b but i would grade my experience of prepping for this episode with the album at an a minus okay i like that Do you know what i mean like there were certain songs like marinating in come back to me and in um black cat for a while was like that's awesome like i'm i'm very happy that i got to do that and i'm also very happy that some of these songs will depart from my life and the rhythm nation disgraced and that's the end of that (laughs) like raisin bugs coated in tuna fish like goodbye Raisin tuna bugs. <laughs> raisin tuna bugs. <laughs> you a raisin tuna bug. Why That's are you ne- acting like such a raisin tuna bug? Yeah, yeah, that was floated up to me like a raisin tuna bug on a mint julep. Like, I don't know what We're that out means. here trying to have a nice escapade, and you're acting like a raisin tuna bug. Yeah, come back to me with that face wiped off your head. <laughs> so while you were giving us that uh, stellar description of your journey, which I also do enjoy knowing that your experience of the album actually ranks higher than your assessment of the album. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. I love that. That's why I think these ranking albums are so fun. And I want to say for the next album that we rank, I want you to feel free to choose an album that I don't really know that well, which is what happened with Saturday Night Fever all those years ago. But years. Oh, my God. We're so old. Anyway. Was it years? Plural? No, probably not. Like last year. I th- But it, we're getting up on it. Yeah. We're getting up there. Creeping up. But, uh, Please feel free to, to throw a curveball my way because it's really – and I also really enjoyed going back to this album because obviously the nostalgia factor, but also to realize that, yeah, there are actually quite a few songs on this album I really like. And there's a reason that four of the songs on this album never made it onto my iPod mm-hmm. or my computer or whatever. Like, there's yeah. a reason. Well, and there's also – like we we talk frequently about like when is a song like definitely of its time but not in a bad way that it's like it's definitely a time capsule of x year and like time in pop music but it's not dated right and i think that there are as many examples of like classics where you're like i understand why this album was a monster because you had a ton of singles on it that they do sound very turn of the 90s, but yes. not in a bad way. But then you also got a few that you're like, oh, girl, <laughs> not that Casio again. No. <laughs> tell, <laughs> tell Jimmy to not with that. Anyway. Um, Shall I reveal our final standings? Yes. Why don't we start with the, the um, treasonous monsters that will be leaving Rhythm Nation? Yes. And, of course, it goes without saying, uh, listeners and especially patrons who voted, we thank you so much for participating with us in this event it's so much more fun to have so many of you voting with us it really being is. part of the craziness I'm, I'm not actually that mad <clears throat> i'm like a little man <laughs> but i'm not that, actually that mad and it, it it's great um to have not only had more votes which signals that we have more people who are at the who are patrons who are eligible to vote but also more people voted so like we 
we just had a high people were clearly interested in this album which i think is very interesting and uh sarah yes what's happening you're losing your mind <laughs> i'm sorry did I you see just, a raisin bug no i was just thinking of your face when you saw my face when whatever was ranked number one and i was like oh yeah <laughs> i know <laughs> it was amazing was it was it the knowledge it, that I was like, oh. No, it was I've... the fact that they put Rhythm Nation first. Oh, and you were okay. like, so wounded. Oh, well, okay. So sorry to interrupt. Math. Let's do it. The, our two lowest ranking songs with eight points are Living in a World We Didn't, They Didn't Make, mm. slash Machine Gun Fire, and <laughs> Someday Is Tonight. Okay. And then in penultimate place of Dishonor is The Knowledge with a mere nine points. And let me say, if it hadn't been for me, that song, I, I'm the only reason that she is not in last place. It would be the knowledge of the Witness Protection Program. Yes. Bye, girl. Uh, now, our top five, fifth place with 25 points, a very respectable standing, is Come Back to Me. Mm-hmm. Fourth place, I'm sorry to tell you, but not sorry to tell myself, with 26 points, is Rhythm Nation. Okay. Third place, 27 points, Black Cat. Huh. And this doesn't surprise me. We have a two-way tie for first with 29 points. Miss you much. Love will never do without you. And Escapade is just in the middle? Yeah. Escapade wound up with... Oh, no. Escapade would have been... I always do this. I always get the math wrong. Escapade also got the same amount of points as Rhythm Nation. So that's also 26 points. Girl, I do this every time. So <laughs> that so that's our top 6. Come back to me with the nation escapade. You school, young man. I know. I, I needed been the knowledge. Reason tuna bugs under the bleachers. I needed the knowledge. So it's come back to me, Rhythm Nation, Escapade, Black Cat, Love will never do without you, miss you much. Yeah. Okay. Those are all of the and actually those are all of the songs and then All Right got 20 points. So, yeah. Wait, where's Come Back to Me? Come Back to Me is one, two, three, four, five. It's sixth. Oh, okay. I'll live with that. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little surprised that anyone else ranked it as high as I did, but uh, I like it. And perhaps unsurprisingly, our top seven songs are the seven singles, the seven Mm. hits. Yeah. Well, listeners, this was awesome. We thank you for joining Mastis Nation 2018. And uh, we will look forward to hollering at you again really soon. And uh, please do not at me with your love of raisins because I'm not trying to hear it. (laughs) He does a lot of nice things for me. I know he used to do nice stuff for you, but what has he done for you lately? Y'all, Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, a.k.a. me, and Sarah D. Bunting. And it's edited by Sarah D. Bunting as well. Do you want to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at TalkSongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastis.podcast. To become a supporter and producer of this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastis, where you can get access to all kinds of cool bonus content and vote in our ranking episodes. Thanks for listening.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.